Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Your usual fantasy baseball slash baseball content is back again for the second time this week. I am your host, as always, Blake Meyer, with my man Ryan Gilbert. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. You know, it's, a, it's the first first week to back to work after the holidays and everything, so sometimes it goes a little bit slow. But it's been a, been a good week here. We had some uh, baseball news even we can talk about. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to get into this. You know we like talking a little baseball news. Speaking yeah. of that baseball news, Devers... The Red Sox, actually, I almost cussed. I'm trying to get better about not cussing quite as much, you know, trying to keep it a little more PG. Some will slip out, but the Red Sox actually signed a player to stay with the team. I didn't think I was going to see the day that would happen. Yeah, I mean, we we saw them move the Bogarts thing this offseason. Obviously, they traded away bets, and you know, Devers was the next one with a uh, pending free agency coming up after this season, but... You know, what was that? Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, news broke that uh, Devers was signing an 11 year, $331 million extension. I mean, that sounds like a lot of money. It's pretty comparable, maybe even less than some uh, guys got this offseason. But I think it's it's good for the Red Sox to uh, to get, get their guy locked up. They had to build around somebody. And, you know, he's going to be a, a mainstay in that lineup for pretty much the rest of his career and he'll be a p- big part of the uh rebuild or transition years here for the red sox and they picked a good guy to build around too. 295 last year 27 home runs 88 rbis 4.9 war which is solid still young as well at only 26 so unlike all those other really long contracts we've seen this offseason where guys were like already 30 and they're signing 10 11 12 year deals when they're already 30 He's only 26, so he's only going to be 37 when this – oh, it feels so good to say only 37 <laughs> as a 34-year-old. But he's only going to be 37 when this contract is up, which is awesome. They'll get him through every prime year of his career. They brought in Yoshida, so they kind of have a nice little one-two punch there. They don't really have a whole lot else. Justin Turner, but we've covered Justin Turner, I think, last episode. We talked a little Justin yeah. Turner in our Trump, sleepers. Trump he could have a decent year, but – oh, yeah. I don't know how I always forget about Trevor's story. I think it was because the literally the only team he played good against last year was Seattle. <laughs> that three home run games absolutely fucking killed us. But yeah, like they, I mean, they have an okay team. They're they're destined for at least third third place finish in the division. That's gonna be like best case probably. They're not gonna I, I, outplay I, the Yankees. I, I think. They could be last. I think that that could be a, yeah. a good a good discussion. They, they were last last year. I was trying to be optimistic, but yeah, now that I'm saying it, they're not going to be better than the Yankees. They're not going to be better than the Rays. They're not going to be better than the Orioles. Although the Orioles, I think the Orioles were only projected for like 85 wins next year, which is 
really weird. Yeah. And, and that that's where the, it's where the people are talking about, like how such how the Red Sox had such, such a bad year. I mean, they won 78 games. They, they didn't make the playoffs. They weren't competing for the playoffs. But in a, they had Jaden Martinez has down, had a down year. He was hurt. Trevor Story was hurt. Uh, their pitching wasn't good. So, you know, maybe Devers, at a healthy story, add in uh, Yoshi, Justin Turner can replicate kind of J.D. Martinez's bad year and get a get a few starters in there. I mean, they're relying on Sale and Kluber and, and Pavetta, so that's <laughs> not too great. But they, 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 have, they have the pieces there to, to turn it around fairly quickly, and I think Devers is a, is a big part of that. I was – really convinced he was not going to stay just because the last thing I had heard, I hadn't kept up as much on Devers as probably some other people had, but the last thing I had heard was that they were galaxies apart on this extension mm-hmm. that they were working on. And as soon as I heard galaxies apart, Bogarts just left after not getting a deal done. I was like, Oh shit, here we go again. Red Sox <laughs> fans are going to fucking hate ownership. It's all going to go downhill. They're going to burn it to the ground and build it back up. But no, they actually surprisingly, did something right. I mean, they need to do a couple more right things, particularly in the uh, pitcher department. But yeah. I mean, it's a start. You got to start somewhere, and this is a start. Yeah, they, they had to keep Devers. I, I forgot they also signed a Kenley Jansen, so that makes a little bit more sense, just so they have someone there at the back end. I know they have uh, Jaron Duran, one of their top prospects. I think that he played a little bit last year. Hit 221 in 58 games, so they're hoping to see more out of him. You know, if he can, he's 20, he's 26 now. So I'm not sure if he's gonna get a get a chance on the. He should start, I would say, in the in the outfield. But I mean, with with Yoshi uh, Verdugo and and Hernandez there, it doesn't look like he will. But he's a guy that they can try to build around as well. But yeah, the Red Sox, the AL East is is really tough. It is, and of all the divisions to go backwards in in any way, that's not one of them. All those teams are so jam-packed fighting for playoff spots. Not that the Red Sox were fighting for one last year, but they this really doesn't push them in the direction towards the playoffs. It kind of keeps them in a little bit of a holding pattern to see what else they can do to bolster the roster, but I don't think any roster bolstering is going to come anymore in this free agency. I mean, they might sign a couple people, but there's no really – big game changers out there still. So unless they're going to make some kind of trade and trade one of their okay pitchers, I don't know. Like their pitching is so weird just because it would have been good in like 2017 mm-hmm. sale and Kluber in 2017. Oh my God. But in 2023, I mean, they might both pitch 110 innings in a good year. And then yeah. you're relying on guys like, Brian Bayo, who was hit and miss last year, mostly miss. So yeah, I Devers helps. He plays well in that stadium. He's gonna get fans to continue to come to games and kind of put the pitchforks down a little bit. But yeah, they they need to make another move in some way, probably next year. Yeah, that's the main thing. Is it just it it buys the ownership group some time that that they actually locked him up and did something after hearing over and over that they don't keep anybody. So it doesn't make up for losing Bogarts for nothing and trading away bets and and losing all those guys. But it's it's something, and it's what the Red Sox had to had to do. Speaking of things we have to do, ooh, we have, ooh how's that for a transition? I'm getting I like so it. much I like better it. at this. Oh. 
speaking of things we have to do, we put a little Twitter mailbag roll call out there today asking you guys what kind of questions you have that we could answer for you guys on the podcast. And we got a few responses, so we wanted to go over those and yeah, have a little fun answering the questions mm-hmm. that you guys have. Uh, the first one we got was from Noah Beanick. It says, how would you value or where would you be looking to take MJ Melendez this year? Great positional versatility. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Uh, Melendez was one of the guys that I think was one of our, our main topics of conversation uh, probably several several shows ago now, maybe a few months or two. But yeah, we were talking about you know how he's going to be you know catcher eligible, but play in the outfield, so you can really have a have an outfielder there playing at catcher, and so that definitely adds some value. But before the show, Blake and I were, were texting back and forth. I was like, and he was telling me about his catcher rankings, and I was like, oh, I, I thought Melendez was going to be better, and then he's worse than I remember. And Blake, and Blake then said that he had Melendez at nine initially and moved up to his sixth best catcher. Spoiler yes, alert for, for, for the catcher rankings there. <laughs> but, so, and you, you showed me some stats that you know convinced me a little bit. So uh, what do you have to say about Melendez? Where do you rank him, I guess, overall-wise and also a catcher? Uh, I think I'm higher on MJ Melendez than a lot of people are. There's probably some people that are as high on him as I am. He was a guy that had a season, if you're just kind of a scoreboard looker, his batting average wasn't that great, only 217. But he had 18 home runs, 62 RBIs. He hit 21 doubles. He he has the things you look for in a successful catcher. He just also so happened to be one of like the unluckiest hitters in baseball. Uh, he had a solid line drive rate. It wasn't the best, but he had a solid line drive rate. At 20.2%. Needs to bump that up a little bit, but his fly ball rate came down towards the end of the year and ended up just under 41% at 40.8. So that'll, if he can get that to even out, it'll get that 258 Babbitt to boost a little bit, especially for a guy that's not the fastest in the world. He has a little speed for a catcher, but he's not the fastest. But the things that I'm really looking at with Melendez that get me excited and that did kind of boost him up in my rankings was the fact that. Oh, his barrel rate. Again, love me Oof. a good barrel rate. 10.4%. Uh, higher than the 6.7% league average. Solid hard hit rate at 43.5%. That's 7% higher than league average. He walks a decent amount at 12.4%. But one thing we've been big on lately is kind of keying in on guys that are dealing with getting shifted a very large amount that aren't going to have to deal with that next year. Melendez was shifted 78.2% of the time last year. He hit his Woba with the shift was 278. His Woba with no shift was 418. So that's going to make a huge impact on his value next year. And the fact that he is both catcher and outfield eligible, there's not many of those. It's him and Varsho really are the only two that are catcher and outfield eligible. I've got him at six in my catcher rankings. We'll get into a little deeper dive on my catcher rankings later on. But, yeah, I I got him at six. His NFBC ADP right now is at 99. I think you could take him 80, 75 to 80, so maybe two rounds earlier than his ADP, and it would be okay. But if you get him at that 99, I think you're getting two rounds of value on him. 
Yeah, I mean that that stat that, that kind of convinced me there was the the stats against the shift that, that Melinda said he was shifted so much and he was so much better without the shift. So it just tells you that. And looking at, at his baseball savant page, it has like where the defensive positioning when batting chart. It was yeah, the, the shortstop rarely had to, or the third baseman, second baseman, whoever's on the left side rarely had to move in for the bunt. The, the three guys on the right side. It's gonna be. It's going to be different baseball in 2023. I don't think people are talking about that enough or just not thinking about it enough, or maybe they don't think the role will stick, but it's going to have a, a large impact on, on a lot of hitters. And Melendez might be one of the, the biggest ones just based off his, uh, his Woba with and without the shift. And as far as where, where I would take him, like, I was thinking about it. Like if, if he was when I initially saw the question before I looked into his stats and everything, I was like, okay, he's, he's basically a, a depth, a, a Second or third outfielder, maybe even around there, and you can get him at, at catcher. So it's he's someone that you take in the seventh, eighth round. He's one of those guys where you know what you have your first five or six guys. The seventh, eighth, ninth round rolls around. There's no one there you really love, and you know you you have a guy like Melendez on the back of your mind, and you want to get him. He's not someone I would be afraid of reaching for. If I reach for him, and and, and you know, he's going to stick in your lineup because he's going to be role play catcher for keeper leagues. I think he'll be able to probably keep his catcher because they'll probably want to give a uh, Salvador Perez some days off at DH. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of where Melendez would be in my mind is, you know, there's going to be the, the top few catchers off the board. W- wait for them to go. And then in that late single digits, if it gets to double digits, I think definitely start giving him a serious look. Yeah, and I mean, August through the end of the year, that's kind of been one of my things I've been looking at lately. For the record, I look at that mainly this year just because of how odd last offseason was with the lockout and all of that. Players starting very slow at taking them a while to get up and going. Uh, the end of the year when they're really like in the prime of everything. So his batting average went down to 195. But his walk rate went up to 13.3%. He had eight doubles, a triple, and eight home runs with 34 RBIs, stole a couple bases, barrel rate went up to 11.5%, hard hit rate went up to 46.5%, average exit velo went up to 91.7%, which was almost two miles per hour higher than it was for the entirety of the year. He, take batting average out of it, he is somebody that is, if you get him his current ADP at 100 I think you're getting him for, I wouldn't call him a steal, but you're getting a damn good deal on him at 100. He's a guy that you can take this year and be happy the entire year. He's shown he has power. In 2021, he hit 41 home runs between double and triple A. He has power. He's always had a high walk rate, so he's got a good eye at the plate. He's In the minors, he always hit for a solid average, too. In AAA in 2021, he hit for 293. So the intangibles are there. And I think with the full normal offseason, full normal spring training, leading into a year where he's going to be getting regular ABs from day one, MJ Melendez is a guy that, yeah, uh, seventh, sixth round, oh, maybe not sixth, seventh, eighth round, is excellent spot for him. Yeah, and, and his ADP on uh, NFCB is 99, but I've also been referencing the uh, Fantasy Pros consensus rankings, and, and there he's all the way down at um, 152 bet- between Hunter Renfro and Brandon Nimmo. 
Uh, I don't know if people don't have, maybe he's not catcher eligible everywhere, so that's impacting it. But like, even guys, he's 152, one, about 133 is Ian Hap. I'd rather have Melendez than Hap. Uh, Mount Castle, Castellanos is an interesting uh, choice for me, <laughs> but I, I'd probably take Melendez there. Jake McCarthy, Chris Bryant, another interesting case. Um, Anthony Santander, Stephen Kwan. So yeah, Melendez, I think there's going to be a, a wide range of thoughts on him, and I think he's a guy that just because you know he he should be able to stay healthy playing outfield, not getting beat up behind the plate, and he puts up that production as a depth outfielder. You can just stick him in your catcher spot and not have to worry about you know finding out who's hot and riding a catcher for a few days or a few weeks and, and switching on and off, just getting a guy that you know seventh, eighth, ninth round that's going to be in your lineup for, for the whole season. And he's also a guy that you can take as a second catcher if you really, really wanted. Like if you wanted one of those higher guys uh, like a JT Ramuto, uh, you could take Melendez, Melendez as a second catcher and he can slot in as your catcher when Ramuto is having a day off and use somebody else at the outfield. It helps with that position versatility. It helps moving guys around on your roster a little bit, makes life a little easier for you. And like we said, very solid production more than likely for well not more than likely i'm guaranteeing solid production guaranteed or your money back you damn right it's gonna happen we love mj melendez we've been on him since we started the podcast him and lars are guys that we came back to repeatedly and here we are once again right back on the mj melendez hype train it's a it's a fake baseball money guarantee there from Blake. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, we need a shirt that says that. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, so a good uh, conversation there on Andre Melendez. I think he's definitely one of the interesting guys I'm going to be looking out for as a sleeper, not even a sleeper, but someone to target in my drafts. Um, moving on to the next question from the uh, SGPN Premier League uh, podcast Twitter account. How differently do you draft best ball teams over roto or draft and hold teams? Which is basically how do you how should you strategize to draft best ball rather than, rather than a, a full season? And that's something we talked about with uh, with Nick Pitcherless. He said, you know, when you're drafting a year to year team, you're not drafting best ball team because in best ball, I think you want to go for those high ceiling guys. You don't want to take a chance on you know pitchers that you need to bounce back. And maybe even it's a it's a chance to in the later rounds. So yeah, the later rounds you want to target, I guess people with, with safer floors and you know, but, but also higher ceilings, like guys that have done it before, and you think can take that next step. And yeah, I haven't done too many best ball drafts, so I, so I'm just giving my, my ideas on it, and I hope that something that's something I'm planning on doing with the underdog and the next few weeks here. But I think just yeah, you have to go higher ceiling because ultimately you want guys and and guys that have good health history. You don't want Jacob DeGrom. You don't necessarily want someone like Mike Trout, maybe even Ronald Acuna with his knee injuries. You want people that are going to be consistent, play 150 games and can, can make you be the best of their position and be the best at the end of the season. Yeah. I admittedly haven't, I've never done a basketball draft. I'm not going to lie, but when it comes to like Roto leagues and stuff, Things like that, Roto Leagues, you're very focused on these are the statistical categories that I want to target the most. And then you pick one or two that you're just going to punt for the year. And so you're 
very picky on who you do and don't draft. Whereas I know the concept of a best ball draft, all that sort of thing. I would be going for a lot of very high ceiling guys. Guys that are on a day-to-day basis could go yard at any minute. Like those guys that you see come up to bat and you're like, man, he might not necessarily be the best, but if he gets a hold of that shit, it's going to go a fucking mile. Like guys like that are guys that I would target later in the draft. In the draft. Somebody like a, a Jock Peterson, somebody along those lines, somebody that they have a safe enough floor, but they could they could go off for three home runs in a game and it would surprise nobody. Yeah, I've only really done for baseball, best ball is uh, some playoff ones last year, two, two years ago as well. But I, I think that's something where it's probably a, a, an untapped market where you're able to probably take advantage of, of things if you can really dig in compared to like other just casuals, just better bored and want to do best ball drafts like us. But if, as long as you take that extra step and, and do some research on it and, and get some sort of strategy, I think that's probably a, a good way to uh, – to win some win some leagues, win some money. So maybe maybe we'll do a a whole best ball episode sometime coming up. We got a got a long January and February before spring training. Speaking of winning money, uh, do you have an ad for us? Oh uh, yes. Uh, speaking two of winning two, money, yeah. WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays. Um, great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100, limited to state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. I'll say 200 or older and present in the state where playthrough is available. If you're somebody who knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-522. And are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, the season never ends. Right now, you can play their weekly Battle Royale games or even draft your playoff best ball team. They also have a ton of daily games for NBA and NHL, and I just mentioned their MLB best ball. Gotta get into that. Plus, when you use promo code SGPN at underdogfantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. And we are back from the ad read. The next question is an interesting one because it has a little bit to do with my Mariners fandom, but a whole lot not to do with it. But I'm going to make it have to do with my Mariners fandom. Cameron Kerr on Twitter, at Kerr Cameron, said over under four and a half years for the Rangers first World Series trophy. What do you think, Ryan? Um, um, I, I don't understand this question. I don't think the Rangers... Unless Jacob DeGrom can completely stay healthy, I, I don't think they're going to win the AL West in the next in the next four, four years. I think the Astros are always going to be the Astros there for the next foreseeable future. The, the Mariners obviously are up and coming. The Angels are, are hoping if they can uh, keep Otani and Trout, they have that dynamic duo. So uh, I don't quite understand what the Texas Rangers have been doing over the past two off seasons. I'll, I'll fully admit it. I don't know if they're trying to compete with Houston. I don't know if they're trying to to spend and, and hope that it, it all works out. But and I'm all for that here. Uh, baseball money is fake, so you can just go out and and buy some players. That was Seager and, and Semyon and and Degrom and Heaney and Evaldi this off season. But there's not a lot of depth there after their top four or five guys in the lineup, like. like most teams in the league just very top heavy. 
I don't know enough about the prospect system. I'm trying to look up the uh, farm system rankings currently. But uh, yeah, what's your take on this? Um, I mean, I think I'm smashing the over on that. <laughs> like, I would bet a full year salary on the over on four and a half. Like, I I don't know how that would happen. They're they're not better than Houston, and they won't be in the next four and a half years. They're not better than Seattle. The Texas Ranger fans, I feel like you're going to fight me on that, but you're not better than Seattle. They're arguably not even necessarily better than the Angels with some of the moves that the Angels made, getting Hunter Renfro and bringing in Brandon Drury, things like that. Like they're similar. I mean, they got Nathaniel Lowe first base, Simeon at second, Jung at third base, Seeger at shortstop. That's it. I love me some Adolis Garcia, but he. He's one of those guys that just puts up good numbers, but he's never going to equate to wins. I think he had a war under two last year, just off the top of my head, which I think 1.8 war was like what the league average was or something like that. Sounds odd, but yeah, I I love me some DeGrom. He's not going to stay healthy. Martin Perez had an okay year last year. I got to see if he can do that again. And you're going to rely on what a guy like, John Gray? No. Over. Looking at at the farm system rankings, uh, MLB.com's as of August 23rd, they they are ranked sixth. I forgot they have uh, the Jack Leiter. Josh Josh Jong's supposed to be a good third baseman. Um, Kumar Rocker also this this past year's draft. So, you know what? Maybe in the next six to six to eight years six to nine years there they can have a, a nice little championship window but i don't think four and a half is enough maybe in three or four years they can be competing for the division but at that point the ground's probably going to be done Eovaldi, perez gray are all going to be mid-30s so it, it really the rangers have to see those prospects come up and, and like bridge the gap between you know, Semyon and Seager still being in their prime. Nathaniel Lowe, see if see if he can repeat what he did. Dallas Garcia, like you said, he's he's a solid outfielder, but nothing nothing too impressive. So, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't mean to just crap all over the Rangers here, but that's <laughs> what we just did for the past few minutes. It's okay. I mean, to. Right. I guess uh, part of it at, is because- looking at the at the. Uh, 2023 World Series odds, uh, courtesy of WinBet. Uh, the Mariners are 15 to one, and Ooh. the Rangers are tied with the Orioles and Red Sox at 40 to one. So that's that's <laughs> quite. We just talked about how bad the Red Sox are going to be. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox, Rangers, they're not going to make the playoffs, so that, that's why they're so. I guess the Rangers could compete for a wild card. It's possible. But forty to one is just showing what what com- compared to the fifteen to one for the Mariners. Just to give you some some backup there, if anyone anyone comes for you. I feel like at best the Rangers are going to do what the Mariners did for the last few seasons before this one, where they get enough wins to where in like mid September they're still not necessarily eliminated from mm-hmm. the wild card, but they don't really have a realistic shot of getting it. Like they make, they might get to like September 28th and then they're eliminated, like something like that. Like they'll, they'll do good enough to get your hopes up and kind of justify for Rangers fans, at least for like a year or two, all the money that they spent. But then after a year or two, when you start to realize, I don't know if this is really what it takes to get us over the hump, it's going to get interesting. Unless they just 
spend a shit ton of money next year too, which like, they, they could always do that as well. Yeah, it took uh, 86 wins for the Rays, 87 for the Phillies to get the last wildcard spots. Uh, the Rangers had 68 wins last year, 60 Ooh. the year before, so they have to improve by by 20 wins over the next three or four, which is possible. They they can turn it around quickly, which they did from uh you know, 2014. They won 67 games. 2015 they won 88, won the division. So maybe they see something like that with uh with Prince Fielder. He he comes back. Uh, Jeff Bannister oh, was manager of the year. Yeah, so yeah, Rangers are not gonna burn a World Series in the next five years. Sorry. Sorry, Cameron. Hate to burst your bubble, but I know you're in the Discord as well, so you can tell us how much you disagree with us in the Discord <laughs> at sg.pn slash Discord. Shameless plug. We got one more question. This one comes from Alex. In deep keeper leagues, what position are you targeting the most for your keepers? Or do you go more purely based on uh, like previous season's statistical output? Pretty much, are you looking at um, potential for the future, or are you relying more on what they've done lately? I, I, I mean, obviously, I think it's a mix of both, but overall, it's I guess I guess potential is what you should be going for, but you can't you definitely can't ignore what they have done because you you do want to do want to look at both. You want to make sure. Like like we talked about with Nick a little bit, you know, in, in keeper leagues you want to win that season. If not, if you're or if you're just halfway through the year and and completely done, you want to win. Focus on winning the next season. You want to you want to win as many years years as possible is basically what you want to do. So you want to keep the best players year to year. Um, in terms of like positional scarcity, maybe take if they're overall a worse player, but at a at a shallower position for catcher is definitely one of them. Um, his first base. There's, there's one, there's a weird position that that's shallow this year. Is it short third base. Third, third base, third base, third base is shallow this year. So if it's like, if it's, if it's a decent third baseman, maybe, maybe keep him. But yeah. Keeper leagues, I, I think are just in general, people look too long term, And so maybe do just focus on, you know, their track record, but you, you can't, you have to look at, their trajectory just in their career total. If they're in their prime, keep them. Just make sure they're not in that drop-off years, like someone like J.D. Martinez or or Chris Bryant, if he doesn't doesn't get healthy again. I have a question for you. Okay. For a keeper league, uh, who would you rather keep right now, Stephen Kwan or Mike Trout? Mike Trout. Okay. Would you rather keep? Is that a trick question? I mean, Mike Trout. He's later in his career. He's hurt all the damn time. He got that bad Mike, back. Mike Trout, Kwan Mike Trout can be can be a, a first a first round talent. Quan can be top six, maybe seven. I mean, Quan was like the number four outfielder for the last couple months of the season last year in points leagues, at least. Uh, so he was solid. Okay. Okay. So let's go. Trout or Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Julio Rodriguez. I screwed Who, myself there because now we ended up at the top. Julio Rodriguez is, is the best. At, I mean, I know him. Him, he's one of the top outfielders. Like, okay, if you, wh- wh- why are you saying Mike Trout? You, you want to get into the, this uh, outfield strategy here? <laughs> is that what um, going? We can't. I mean, you know what? Yes, that's three for three on segways. It wasn't <laughs> necessarily what I was trying to do, but it worked. So, spoiler alert, I did a just a fun little mock draft the other night, first mock draft of the year, 
We're not going to get into it too much today, but one thing I wanted to get into was that I figured out in the first mock draft that with outfield being such a thin position this year, not one that you usually kind of think is very thin, but it does get very thin very quickly after that first like one and two tiers of players, which go fast. I went outfield, outfield in the first two rounds, eighth pick in a 12-man mock. I got Jordan in the first and Mike Trout in the second. And it ended up being the kind of strategy that I might just move on into my money leagues. I hate doing that after like one mock draft. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is it right here. And then going with it. But the roster that I ended up with at the end, I was so okay with it that if I did that strategy and I ended up with the roster that I had in a money league, I would, everybody's kind of convinced they're going to win the whole league when the draft's over. But I, I would have almost no doubts that I, it's at least a playoff team at the very least. Outfield, outfield is the move. I don't even know what to say because you have to roster so many outfielders, outfielders, five or six in a standard league that mm-hmm. I think it was by like the fifth round. We're already. We were already running thin on outfielders in the fifth round, and you have to start five. So getting those two solid building blocks right out of the gate, well, I you start, think you start might five? be the move. Yeah. Don't most oh, leagues start three? How many is my ESPN league? Um, was three, sometimes four. My ESPN league was five, and then the mock draft had you starting five as well. Interesting. I mean, if you start more than three outfielders, that's definitely a fantastic strategy. I think even if you start three outfielders, getting two of these top 10 guys, two of these top 15 guys, you might have to do. Because after that, like 25th best outfielder is uh, Stephen Kwan. And like, if you wait till round five or round six, that's the top 60 gone. You got Springer, uh, Eloy, Tiasker, Tommy Edmond, Varsho, Brian Reynolds, Brian Buck- Byron Buxton. Yelich, like no one, you don't want any of those guys like anchoring your outfield. You, you definitely want to get one, if not two of those top. I mean, this seven of the top 10 people overall are outfielders. So you, you, you hope to get one of those, I guess. And then another one of the uh, second tier there. Yeah, yeah like that's, in- that's a weird, that's a, it's a weird year for outfield here. It is because, like, again, I'm, I swear I'm not going to deep dive too much into the mock draft because we're going to go over this. We're going to do a few mock drafts between now and next week so we can, like, really get into the data and talk about it more. But, like, seventh round in my mock draft was Brian Reynolds was the outfielder that was taken. And then after that, it was Starling Marte, Corbin Carroll, Byron Buxton, Christian Yelich, and Varsho in the eighth round. And Seiya Suzuki and Anthony Santander. Yeah. I mean, there are guys here that you can like count on as your third outfielder, maybe as a even maybe as your second. Guys like uh, you know Stephen Kwan, maybe the second outfielder will be fine. Chris Bryant, he could be a guy to have as a third outfielder. Castellanos, um, Brendan Nimmo could be a third outfielder, I guess. But yeah, once you get down to like this. I guess if, if it's a 12-team league, three outfielders starting the top 36, that's not too bad. But obviously, there's multiple positions on there. So you want to go top 40, top 50. Yeah, you, you definitely want to get one of the uh, top few outfielders. Yeah, because if you, if you don't, all of a sudden, you're running into somebody like Brian Reynolds having to be your outfield number one. Mm-hmm. And then if Brian Reynolds is your outfield number one, 
I don't even want to know what your outfield four and five would look like. It wouldn't it wouldn't be good at all. You're taking flyers on guys like Austin Hayes or Jesse Winker to have a bounce back as your number yeah. five outfielder, which good on you if you want to take Winker as your fifth outfielder. The only good thing he did last year for Mariners fans was giving the, the old double gun salute to the Angels fans <laughs> after the brawl last year. That's it. There's no way he's going to Milwaukee putting up numbers. Mark my words. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that's that seems like a, a solid strategy. They're going with going with the outfielders. Uh, just to mix it up a little bit, you got some plans this weekend, Ryan? Do I have plans this weekend? Yeah, nothing, nothing too much off the top of my head. Why? What, what, what we got? I think we should do a, a mock on Saturday and a mock on Sunday. I, I don't know. If and. I don't know if I can commit, commit to, to two weekend mock drafts. I need, I need some time off. I, I, I can do, I can definitely do one between now and next show, possibly two or three. But uh, the second and third ones might be just kind of on my phone, low effort. Okay, then that one that we're gonna do, I think it would be a good idea if we put a call out to people on Twitter, see if we can get maybe some industry people that we know, some people on Twitter that want to have a fun mock draft that you take somewhat seriously, so it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. and see if we can fill up a mock draft for this weekend and we can get the the results on the show and go over the results from that mock. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Even if it's not this weekend, something maybe maybe a weekday night, a slow weekday or, or later in the later in the uh, football season when there's not much as much going on. I think people might be open to that, but I'm sure there's also just enough baseball heads out there to listen to the show and follow us that that would be interested. Even if we can only get, get half the draft full, it's, it's better than drafting with computers. Uh, way better than drafting with computers. So if you are listening to this right now, if I haven't already tweeted out from the show account that we are going to be doing like a roll call for people to want to be in the mock draft, I will. Don't worry. I didn't forget. I just busy as a motherfucker, which happens. But another thing we're going to be putting out on Twitter as well, we did this earlier in the year. Man, I think it was episode, what was I, episode four or episode five? Uh, we're on episode 22 you, you, now. You bring up episode numbers like I have any idea what, what number this episode is. It's just one of those random things. I don't know why I remember. <laughs> um, but we did a giveaway back then, a new follower, new listener giveaway. We're doing another. This one's juiced more than last time as well. Last time, first place got a, <clears throat> a Mike Trout card and a $50 merch store gift card. This time, we're mixing it up. So, by the time you hear this, we should hopefully have merch in the store. If not, it will be there by this weekend. First place gets a $100 merch store gift card to the SGPN merch store. And then second, third, and fourth place are going to get a Baseball Money is Fake t-shirt from the SGPN merch store. All you have to do is we will be putting the tweet out on Twitter. And this is how it's going to work. If you retweet it, you get one entry. If you rate the show five stars on Apple or Spotify, you get two more entries. And if you leave a review, you get two more entries on top of that. So you can get up to five entries we're going to let it run for a little bit so I can get as many people in as would like to come in to get this going. And then me and Ryan will pick a date that we will end the giveaway, kind of run it. We'll put the results out there on Twitter and let the people know who won. And this way, it kind of helps us grow, especially now that baseball season is coming up. 
I know I've got, I'm the baseball editor over here. I've got these guys, Ryan, Matt Valdez, Daniel Vreeland, guys like that, putting out more articles this month. Spoiler alert, we are doing a lot of Dynasty stuff this month, so be on the lookout. But you guys, you help us grow the baseball side. You help us grow the podcast. We love how much you guys like to listen. We love recording, and we just wanted to do something to give back to you guys for helping us grow as much as we have grown and will continue to grow in the future. Yeah, exactly. We, we see the uh, downloads pretty much increasing every episode here, even in the, the doldrums of the offseason. So we want to give a little bit back when uh, – with some merch store and we're going to have some, some stick merch in there. Baseball money is fake. Maybe some, uh, fake baseball money, guarantee money back guarantee some, some different <laughs> course, sort of uh catchphrases in there, but definitely going to look, look pretty slick. So make sure you check that out on our Twitter at fake baseball. I'm going to have to talk to them. I want a, a shirt that says in Lars, we trust so <laughs> bad. I'll, I'll get that up in the store at some point as well. But yeah, on Twitter at fake baseball, uh, on Spotify at sg.pn slash fantasy baseball s and on Apple Podcast at sg.pn slash fantasy baseball. Other than that, I think that's I think that's all we've got for this episode. We got some pretty good questions in. Yeah, hopefully we can do some uh, more Twitter mailbags as the off season and season moves along. We'll have a uh, getting to interact with listeners a little bit. Yeah, maybe you guys keep an eye out on our Twitter. We've been posting. Uh, some polls and questions and just some fun little things like that out there. You guys answering those and responding to those helps us out a ton. And, yeah, and, uh, and, and we'll and read all your like, responses. Yeah, and it's not like we're we're not gonna answer your question if you tweet us when it's not a mailbag. So if you have if you have anything at all just ever crosses your mind, feel free to add us at Fake Baseball or myself or Blake personally as well. And, and we'll we'll do our best to, to answer or talk about it on the show. Oh yeah, we we talk about baseball non-stop even i mean it's it was december and it's not january and we're still talking about baseball every day so any questions you guys got we'll always answer those never a problem always happy to do it and i'm always looking forward to doing it because it gives me another reason to look up more baseball stats that i wasn't already looking up yeah (laughs) always good to get, get more questions uh but on that note you can follow me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And I'm Ryan Gilbert. You can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And we will catch you guys next time. Peace.